0: Welcome to Flashback to a Fabulous Future with Cheryl Johnson. Over the next hour, you'll learn how the past influences the future and how you can create a fabulous future for yourself. Now, here's Cheryl. Welcome to Flashback to a Fabulous Future. We are on a journey to understand the past so that we can move forward into the future with focus and energy. We are very honored today to have our guest, Jonathan Bolts. He is one of the founders of the Legion Mastermind and I'll let him get into that a little bit later. And he can tell you a little bit more about himself and his history, what he's done. And today we're gonna to talk about conscious leadership. There are lots of leadership models out there in the world. And we're going to talk today why we believe that this topic or this particular model of leadership is so important, especially with all of the new technologies moving onto the market these days. So, welcome, Jonathan. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: All right. What's up, Cheryl? I'm really glad to be here talking about one of my favorite subjects. Um, because I believe it's so important that this, you know, new wave that we're seeing happen on the planet, you know, through technology and everything like that. Um, so a little bit about myself, I'm just a, uh, you could call me a little bit of a serial entrepreneur, a builder, visionary, um, just, uh, sometimes I like to call myself a digital frontiersman. So in essence, I love the internet. I love tech. Um, I love all that. But simultaneously, which that's more of a analytical type of way of seeing things is um, consciousness. So if we go back in history and we take a look at the the greatest minds, um, the people that really changed society um, to a very high degree. If we go back to Hermes Trismegistus, if we look at Galileo, Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, um, and the list goes on, Alexander the Great, uh, the great philosophers, you know, I like to call it spa. Socrates, Plato, um, Aristotle and Aristotle, who did Aristotle teach? Alexander the Great. And all these individuals understood a modality of the inner development of self. like it was one of the most important things ever. Um, and in essence, that's kind of what you know consciousness is. So as, as the way that you're able to become more conscious and you're more aware of self and yourself, it literally has a ripple effect out into society, um, and you know this is where I was telling you a little bit about how we were how uh, we can look at David Hawkins' work. Doctor David Hawkins passed away in 2012, but he left us some great gifts. Um, and one of the greatest gifts that he left us was a measurement tool of what consciousness is. Whether these numbers are correct or not, you know, there's debate about this. Um, supposedly, they're scientifically proven and such. Um, but with that being said. He mapped out what all the great ancients um, actually have been speaking about for thousands of years, for millennia, throughout the ages, different cultures, different modalities. Um, So what is this exactly? And that right there is the elevation of consciousness. You know, some people say that, hey, that person has bad vibes, has negative vibes, has lower, lower vibes. You know, they have high vibes. Um, So like there's so many different ways that they've iterated this type of information out into the world and we've taken them on. Um, What I believe is that, you know, we're at a very important time in humanity's timeline um, and we are accelerating very fast into the future and we are creating things um, that can't be quite dangerous. And the thing is, if we don't have what I like to call conscious leaders on the planet, um, they're gonna make some bad decisions and those bad decisions can actually have a very detrimental effect. Um, So one of my missions here on the planet is to bring more conscious leaders um, into the world, um, teach more conscious leaders, teach leaders to be more conscious and understand these modalities and what you can do. And maps of consciousness, if you can see the screen here, if anyone has ever um, heard about it or if you haven't, all you got to look up is maps of consciousness by Dr. David Hawkins. There's a lot of different versions, um, but it gives you a notion of what it is that we're talking about. But here's the thing so many different teachers talk about this it's just always a different angle to it um, and this just happens to be one that i like because you can measure it um, and again whether it's right or wrong and some things are exactly in order that they're supposed to be it doesn't matter it's the notion of what it is to become you know more of a enlightened individual um more present individual a person that is more in love so hopefully that gives like a, a little bit of a notion of, you know, what that is, but there's so much more to go into uh, with the maps of consciousness itself, you know,
0: exactly. And um, so that leads me to my next question. You know, what is the difference between this type of leadership and other types of leadership? Why would we, you know, aspire to be a conscious leader as opposed to a driven, motivated, you know, I'm going to get everything done kind of leader?
1: Well, here's the thing. We've had a lot of different type of leadership because of where we've been in the cycle of time. And we needed that very, let's just call it hardcore, you know, tyrannical, um, get shit done type of way. Um, And that was necessary at the time. Right. And, and sometimes you need to be a little bit, you know, if you want to call it tyrannical um, in order to get things done or you have to be a little bit more, you know, let's just say uh, creating some deep impact in ways that might not be seen as good for society as other modalities and being the nice guy. Right. Sometimes they, they call it the leader doesn't always have to be the nice guy. But the thing is, a lot of it has come from the mind. Right. And the, the mind is is great. And it facilitates so much, and it facilitates strategy, and it's great being the intellectual and knowing so much. But if we go back in history and we take a look at some of the different um, societies, um, some of the different countries, some of the different religions, um, we're going to see a cycle, and that cycle literally repeats itself. And you know, I don't know if you've heard the, the great saying: "It's like strong men create good times, good times create weak men." Weak men create bad times and bad times create strong men once again. So if we if we go back in history, um, we're going to take a look at some of these societies that did so well. OK, the Greeks, the Romans, um, the Persians, uh, the Egyptians. And we're going to see something very similar is that once they start reaching these very um, elite levels, you know, where they're, they're, there's much more wealth, there's more power. Um, more intellectual prowess a lot of times they get taken over by barbarians and by people that you would not consider so intellectual but what are these barbarians and these like you know hoodlums and whatever it might be that you want to call them these, (laughs) these are all names right you know this very well these are all names they had heart right so they were getting themselves out of the head and more heart Um, and they were tapping into something special. You know, if we go into the maps of consciousness, once you get up to 500, um, you get into love, you know, and I'm not going to say that these barbarians were at the level 500 or whatever it was, but they were tapping into something very special. Um, and what ends up happening is that, you know, as we try to become too intellectual and too strategic and trying to take advantage of people and everything like that, um, it, it brings me back to one of David Hawkins books, which is power versus force. And power versus force um, depicts the difference between having power and doing something by force. And, you know, an easy way to put it, and the the way I like to put it, is that with force, you need outside energy. So with force, there's a winner and there's a loser, right? Forcing the door, forcing against the door. So I'm pushing really hard and the other side is trying to push in. Okay, if I'm just with power, I just like basically throw the door down or I knock the door down, which is pure power. Um, Power comes from within. Okay. So if we look at it in the the level of the human, you know, power itself is something intrinsic that comes from inspiration and doing something very special, um, divinely, and it's internal. Um, When you have force, it needs outside energy. It needs outside reinforcement, and there's always a winner or a loser. So why in the world would we want to utilize force? And that's the thing. A lot of the leadership... Um, in today's day and age utilizes force um, instead of power you know and like the one thing that I'm like okay, when is this going to come back and maybe it's the conscious leader is the great they like to call it the philosopher King and that was like Hermes Trismegistus you know was or King Solomon they say also they uh, had all the wisdom right <laughs> King Solomon you know it was like he he had a wish to be able to have whatever he wanted would have all the riches in the world and the biggest kingdoms in the world would he pick wisdom? OK, and and wisdom itself allows someone to start tapping into those type of levels. So that philosopher king was there for the people, was compassionate, was um, loving. Yes, you're, you're going to see ferociousness and everything like that in order to be a king. You have to have that ferociousness. Like what is what is that level of king actually look like? You know, what happens in society today is like the king and the wizard. These are archetypes, right? The wizard and the king do not have um, are not. I would say just you don't have a lot of these wizards and actual kings we have a lot of princes um so you have a prince that basically he hasn't become king yet he has that power you know but he has all these like lower echelon archetypes that he's still playing out um and if you look at these different type of uh charts for example the maps of consciousness um you go through different ones so those that are listening i'll just give you guys a quick iteration you know under 200 and and this is what caught my attention too um So, so how David Hawkins puts it, um, and this was at the time, and this was, I don't know, the early 2000s, I'm not even sure the exact date, um, but basically he was talking about how 78% of the population was under a 200, okay? Um, under a 200 is, is uh, pride, anger, desire, fear, grief, apathy, guilt, and shame. Shame being the lowest echelon, like at a 20, at a 20 instead of all the way up to there, you could go all the way up to a thousand seven, 700 basically gets you to enlightenment, but all these levels are as they would cause like lower chakra level or lower vibrat- vibratory states. Once someone reaches a 200 you get into courage. And that is a more upper echelon state of being. And you have the courage to, let's say, speak up for yourself. You have the courage to stand up for the, the, the bum on the streets that's getting, you know, beat up by some random guys for no reason. You know, you have the courage to ask for a raise. Um, right underneath that, you have pride. And, you know, pride is like, kind of like, okay, you're starting to gain a little bit of momentum. And you're like, you're starting to see or something better. But it's in a way that it's like, Probably not the most um, convenient to those around you, you know, because it could be diminishing. Um, so these different modalities is where the majority of the population lives, and a lot of our leaders are in right now. So they're they're literally power power plays you know, wanting, wanting to do things for themselves, you know, like greed and gluttony and uh, the pride sector, you know, the desire, utilizing fear, you know, not only fear within themselves, but they're using fear tactics out in the world. And what happens if we have people in the maps of consciousness that are coming from a place of courage? Now, as you go up, you go to at 200, you're at courage, 250, you're at neutrality, um, 310, you're at willingness 350 you're at acceptance, okay? 400 they call it inner light. Um 440 is inner wisdom, 500 is inner love. And by the way, this is this I think this is a I think this is the same one as the David Hawkins one. Um and at love, that's a very hard state to get into. Because imagine for a quick second that you will literally be able to just see everything and everyone from a state of love. So imagine if our leaders actually embody that. It's a powerful state. For example, if Gandhi was at a level 700, which, you know, let's see where it goes here. <clears throat> so we go to oneness, you know, you say it's more of a self realization um, state that's at 540, presence, non duality, right? So it's like dual in nature. That's that's some some big thing. Even D Martini, Dr. Di Martini talks about this a lot in some of his teachings, some of the great teachings, is that if you have the pyramid at the top, and then you have the, the 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 two dual sides down there, that's duality and that's the animalistic side, right? So it's like fight or flight, you know, need to have something afraid of something, um, black and white. And as you go up the pyramid, you have one. Why you see it in the dollar bill, this is why you see it in all these like sacred teachings. They talk about this, right? And so, at the very top, you know, some people call source, some people call it the angelic state, where there is non duality and there is nothing wrong. There's like, you know, at the bottom, you have support, you have challenge. Okay, at the top, you don't see anything as support, or challenge, you just see things as they are, and that is a very powerful state to be in. And the, the great masters of society have have looked and they've trained and they've read as many books as possible, you know, learn from as many senseis as possible from their great gurus and everything like that in order to get to that state, which a lot of people like to call enlightenment. Um, You know, and that that's where you start to get to that high level, which is 700. They call it awareness. Some people call it um, the enlightenment stage. And that's where a lot of people try to reach to, but not many people on the planet are there. You know, supposedly right now there's less than a handful of potential people that are at an enlightened states. Um, some of them we may not even know that exist, you know, like that could be just among us. <laughs> uh, but th- those that we think that we know exist and stuff like that, you know, there's a less than a handful on the planet. And these individuals have a ripple effect out into society. It's like you could just tell, like, you know, like, Cheryl, you ever heard of like, you know, like, I forgot when it was like when Bill Clinton and, you know, whether people like Bill Clinton or not, regardless of what he did, you know, when he walked into a room, it's like, people didn't even know that he was walking in the room and it was like an explosion. Like the presence was just there. You know, you ever, you ever have someone come into your space like that, Cheryl?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because as you talk about that, and I know that, you know, David Hawkins talks about kinesthesiology in his book and, you know, Mm. he gives the example of, and we've all, Probably seen this where you put your arm out and somebody exerts pressure, and you know, depending on pressure against that, pushing against that, you know, can help you determine, you know, different um, whether how genuine. I don't know. There's a lot of things that there's so yeah, 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 exactly,
1: exactly. But
0: it was interesting because yesterday I went and I've had major problems with my sciatic nerve, you know,
1: and mm-hmm. I went to
0: get some acupuncture. And the guy was, before he was going to give me acupuncture, he's like, no, I got to do all these other things. I was like, okay, whatever. And Mm. it's not the same as, you know, putting your arm out there, but some people have probably seen it. You put your thumb and your, I think your fourth finger, whatever it is together. Mm. And then it was interesting because he talked about different foods and stuff, but as he used the word love, you know, he would try to break my fingers apart. And it was really hard to do when I just said the word love.
1: Wow. But when Mm. I
0: said the word beautiful, he could easily break my fingers apart. And I was like, seriously, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm buying into this. So I'm really trying hard to, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, uh, oh boy.
0: (laughs) But there is something. There is something about a, we talk about people and their presence, you know, whether we like the person or not is not relevant. Mm-hmm. But their presence. And he also, I noticed, you know, David Hawkins talks about, you know, people, your ability to be able to tell whether people are being honest, you know, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Um mm-hmm. So, interesting. yeah, I found that very interesting, you know, because it's like, how can you tell whether people are at various levels? How do you measure this?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, David Hawkins has his own way of measuring, you know, again, there's been some debate over like the way that you measure it. And that's why I personally say like, you know, I'm not so worried about the numbers um, and where they fit in the model, you know, but they, they seem to be semi-accurate at least, you know, from from myself and what I tap into intuitively um, and from a lot of the different teachings that have existed for thousands of years. So, you know, for me, it's like, this is a notion that that people have felt into, um, that they have studied um, throughout the millennia now. Okay, and who knows how far back behind this, right? So like we go back even just to Hermes Trismegistus, and that's like very very old, and the great philosophers, you know, you know, a couple two two millennia's, three millennia's, four millennia's behind us, um, and and the Egyptians, the great Egyptians also, you know, how how long have they really been here, yeah. uh, and how long did that actually, you know, now that they're looking at, you know the imprints. And, you know, there was a guy that wrote a book, uh, a really good documentary it was called magical Egypt. Um, and I, I'm trying to think of his name, but he basically did magical Egypt. And he was just talking about, you know, very much about the mystery schools, um, which is a very similar thing. And they had some of these modalities where they knew um, that an individual was here for inner, I like to call it, you know, this is what I like to call it inner evolution, um, which is, helping yourself become more conscious and more present. And one of the, one of my favorite depictions from the Egyptian mystery schools and the Egyptians was uh, in order to get into the afterworld at the end of your life, you had to have that your heart weighed as much or less than a feather. So what is that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite depictions of what they created. And it's like, What does that mean, right? So what does it mean to have your heart weigh less than a feather? And, and, you know, that's a great question to ask because, you know, a heavy heart, you know, you've heard, you've heard that saying before, a heavy heart, um, cannot love, right? A heavy heart cannot show gratitude. A Heavy heart sometimes is heavy hearted on others. And for that reason in itself, you see that, you know, as you go up these levels, um, you start to see like just an evolutionary spirit of getting to a place of love, you know, and like it starts right there. Like it starts with the courage. Then it's like being neutral. What is neutral being? It's like okay, I'm willing to listen to both sides, and I can actually be neutral about it, right? How how can I actually listen to something? Whether I'm listening to Donald Trump, listen to Biden, I'm listening to Hitler. Malcolm X. How can I literally, and that sounds crazy sometimes because people are like, oh, how dare you talk about Hitler like that? And how dare you, you know, Malcolm X or, you know, uh, Martin Luther King or something like that. It's like, you know, there's always going to be the other side. It's people that love Hitler. Okay. There's a, there's actually a huge uh, documentary. It was called, um, it was called the greatest story never told. There's a lot of people that really believed in all the stuff that he was doing. As crazy as it sounds, there's the other side that always exists. Um, so it's like, how do you even get to that point? Okay, so um, on top of it is is willingness. Okay, so if you're willing, you're willing to listen, you're willing to see, and not just be distracted by your own emotions. Okay, if you're in anger, if you're in fear, if you're in desire, you don't want to listen to the other side. You know, but a, a proper businessman or woman, if they go into a business deal, they have to look in a in a very neutral fashion at the facts. And the different sides. If they come in with a very emotional appeal of how they're doing, they might miss something. Okay. So that translates into everything. And relationships, exact same thing. You know, someone does something, what you perceive is really bad. You start off by asking questions instead of automatically assuming that they did the worst case scenario. It's like, wait a second, okay, let me find out what's going on here before I jump to crazy conclusions. Because we know many people that just jump to conclusions and then they realize like, oh, Okay, oops, maybe I was wrong about this or they find out like, oh, that wasn't the case at all and here I am getting hella angry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. It's interesting. <laughs> cause, yeah, cuz like Aristotle said, you know, we need to focus on empathy, which I think is what you're talking about because the core mm-hmm. of understanding each other and the core of what it means to be human. So to me, empathy is the, and Huge. I don't Yeah, it, it's everything. And, you know, this this term is thrown around a lot in our world today about empaths, you know, I think mm-hmm. I'm somewhat of an empath, I tend to walk into a room and take on a lot of the, the mood and the, you know, Emotions. yeah, the energy mm-hmm. in the room. And mm-hmm. it, that can be a good or a bad thing. And I can generally sense when people are being dishonest or, or genuine or, you know, the other mm-hmm. way. But it's. Even mm. though I have that natural ability to do that, it hasn't always worked for me. I've had to learn how to make it work for me. Exactly like you said, because Hitler is somebody that fascinates me. I don't agree with what he did. I don't approve mm. of what he did, mm. but it, what made you do what you did? Why? I just yeah. want to understand.
1: And and how do you have so much impact? Like what was, what what did he do? that had so much impact and have people, you know, love them. And, and, and was he always like that? You know, that's a big question too. Was he always like that? Was that his mission? Was he, was he literally going down that road the whole entire time? Did something switch, you know, like we don't know, but if you come in from a neutral place, yeah. you can explore. And the problem yeah. is a lot of people, they don't have that neutrality to find out what potentially really happened. You know, and like, and as I said, like you start going up these different, levels you know let's say you get to acceptance that this is where a lot of people like start losing their shit but the greatest minds of history the people that have changed history they can tap into these levels okay and they, they tap into these type of things for example acceptance how can we accept you know something like as crazy is what happened to Hitler because, you know, Martini talks about this a lot. And this is a great um, thing that Aristotle also spoke on was basically if everything, and this is just like physics and energy, you know, anything with a, a negative um, uh, uh, energy always has the positive side on the other end and energy neither can be destroyed or just displaced. It always just transfers over to something else. So if we believe that everything is in perfection, in the grand universal scheme of things, how can the, let's just say how in the world could let's say the the uh, uh, Holocaust or let's say the the Oklahoma City bombing or let's say nine eleven? How in the world could we ever say that this was something that basically brought the positive side? How is that even possible? Okay, I'll give I'll give a great example myself, and there there always is. This is the crazy part. There always is a positive side to it. So New York City. Okay, when all that happened, we had never seen our country come together in such a fashion like we did when that happened. New York City never came together in a fashion like that happened. Okay, a lot of new things actually transpired out into the world, out into, um, let's just say, the United States, um, and brought people together probably in a very, very long time. And if you go down into it, I'm sure we could start using artificial intelligence. I guarantee in time, with these concepts that we talk about, they're more ethereal and there's just a lot of these ancients talked about it and everything like that. I guarantee AI is going to start proving this stuff where you'll be able to see the trickle effect of the positivity that was caused by some of these events. So it's like, if you start to look at it and you look at the great masters that spoke about these things in the ancient uh, mystery schools and everything like that, you start to see a complete different picture. And if you look at basically the maps of consciousness, it's like you start to realize that, oh, wait a second, we do have all that. And then duality is not really duality. Oh, bad and good, bad and good. It's like, what if there's bad and good? <laughs> then, there is. then, what is bad? And, then what is bad and good? Yeah, doesn't really, doesn't really even exist. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know? it's it's a construct of of our world because in the world we live in, even time is a construct, and we're so mm. married to you know the idea of. If we talk about all these you know parallel universes and quantum physics and you know all this stuff, and as we talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, I believe that. I believe it's out there but when we start having real conversations everything always comes back to the here and now what's happening in front of me how do i deal with you know exactly this and so mm. i want to step back just a second and ask you a very controversial question mm. <laughs> <laughs> you used to like controversy so that's okay <laughs>
1: You know, I'm all about that. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, exactly. So let's go to Donald Trump once again. Love him or hate him. I don't care. That's not important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's known as the great negotiator. Well, yeah. and that's really, that's his claim to fame. You know,
1: prior master, to be, negotiator, yeah. right? master negotiator. Yeah.
0: And, you know, we'd get people would get so upset when he would say, oh, we got these love letters from Kim Jong Young. I can't say his name. Sorry. From, <laughs> from North Kim Korea. Young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Not good with that. But and people would be like, oh, you can't talk nice about him. You can't be having love letters with him or whatever. What are your thoughts on, you know, something like that and his particular claim to fame, I guess?
1: I mean, that's that's actually he's he's a great one to call out because um, he causes mass polarization. Yes. Um, A lot of times when people are just themselves and they're so sovereign, they will polarize people. That's just the reality like if you're so sovereign you're on mission um and you just are exactly who the fuck you are to such a high degree you are going to either turn people off or you're going to people are going to be in love with you and it doesn't have to be obviously to the extent of like how donald trump is and everything yeah. like that um but what you do is you get into that mode so for me Donald Trump is just a very sovereign individual that just acts exactly how he is. Um and what he was doing with, you know, Kim Jong Un and whatever whatever the love letters were yeah. and everything like that, um to me it's like he set forth to basically bring get closer to potential peace negotiations. Now, why do a lot of people hate Trump? Um because he said the thing like grab him by the pussy, yeah. you know. Like, <laughs> da, 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 you know, excuse my language and stuff oh, yeah. like that. It's all over the internet. So <laughs> He said those words and then, you know, he was tweeting and you know, just people were pissed off. And the thing is, he was also a very strong, masculine man. A lot of people are going to call him toxic, masculine, everything like that. Um, and a lot of people, OK, and if, if we go back in history, and I'm not going to go too deep into the subject. Um, but a lot of men that were highly traumatized and didn't have strong, masculine men in their in their household. Guess who are the ones that don't like Trump. A lot of those men, at least men, okay, and then women also that didn't have that strong masculine father, husband, and stuff like that. So if we go and do the, if we actually go and do the research, and we use, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I myself 100, as I get further down the line, I'm going to using, I'm going to be using some some artificial intelligence to prove these concepts, okay? Because like now, it's like people are basing stuff off emotion and stuff okay when we go and chat with chat gpt other than some of the rules that they put in there um it's a non-biased it's non-biased it doesn't care it's like hey this is what it is you know other than the rules that they are putting in which is one of the reasons why i believe conscious leadership is so freaking important because you know a, a conscious leader is going to make sure that there's an unbiased approach to looking at information and giving us what's needed instead of being like oh this is wrong this is wrong or you can't put this out in, into the to the world so, Trump himself was an individual, extremely sovereign. A lot of people don't like him because he was exactly what it is it's showing up a strong, masculine man. And here's the thing like him or not, you know, the guy got a lot of things done. Now, people may say that, you know, like Biden is doing his thing and, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but it is very important to understand that, that, that the sovereignty factor is one of the biggest things of raising consciousness because the more that you could be yourself, Um, We all are a unique thumbprint um, in the grand scheme of everything that is happening. And we are masters um, in specific fields. And the more that we could tap into that genius that we are, um, the more we have impact on the planet. And the more we start to realize that we're not here for our ego. We're not here to just go chase material things, go chase having sex. Um, go chase the 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 ego lifting and pride things that we want and everything like that we're actually here for something much bigger and the more enlightened we can become um, without saying that enlightenment is somewhere to reach it's like just keep on going in my opinion you just keep on going because there's a vast universe all around us to say like oh i'm enlightened and it's like i'm still here on the planet but it's like what else is out there right uh, but to me it's like it's it's Allowing ourselves to just get to a point to to help humanity and those ripple effects go out. But it always starts with self. So it's like the more that you understand some of these things. And and guess what? No matter what, people want to get pissed off at Trump and whoever he is, freaking even to a certain extent, Hitler. You know what I mean? Like these were highly evolved individuals. But, for example, Hitler was definitely hitting some major stuff. And he obviously there's things that still within him with 150 anger and pride that was still there. So he may have hit higher levels of consciousness, which were like what got people to gravitate toward him and everything like that. And he's dropping back into fear. And also, uh, you know, whether it was the drugs that he was doing or whatever it was, anger and pride, self-explosion, boom, basically gone. So
0: So let me ask you another, because you brought up another controversial topic, and I love (laughs) controversial topics.
1: (laughs) These are my favorite. I'll go with these all day long.
0: (laughs) Well, you bring up toxic masculinity and I, you know, I look at you as a masculine person but I don't look at you as toxic, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when we look at this consciousness chart, where, where do you see toxic masculine masculinity as opposed to a strong masculine person who is going to make a positive Mm -hmm. impact and be a good influence on the world?
1: That's an amazing question, by the way. Amazing question, because the problem is, is that in today's society, toxic masculinity and true masculinity have been literally skewed and they're trying to intertwine them. Um, And and if you go back in history, one of the most important things um, in order to take over a country, in order to take on a city, in order to take on the enemy, um, one of the most important parts is that you have to take out the leadership, okay? And in taking out the leadership, who are the leaders? These are probably the most masculine strong men of society OK, so it is literally vital to take them out. That is part of war strategy. OK, war strategy, you have to take out basically the general you want to take out the people that are in charge. And these are usually the ones that not just from the intellectual strategic point of, of being it, um, they're the strong masculine ones. So the problem is, is in today's society, they're trying to intertwine. Um, Toxic masculinity, like a strong man that is very clear in his direction is going to put, you know, a man in his place and a woman in his place. And it's like, eh, it's like, this actually is one of the most important things. And actually uh, one of the, one of the best things that I heard that makes perfect sense is, is let's go to war. Okay. Let's go to war and let's have war on the streets, blood on the streets. And you will literally see how quickly how fast we go into what some people like to call as right order, masculine, feminine. Soon as that happens, you will see how the women are going to go to support the men, okay? Nurses, you know, things like that. And they're going to be in the houses, like protecting the children and stuff. And who are going to be out in the streets and the war and like going to find food and supplies and, and out in the, the war territory. It's going to be the men, Yeah. okay? <laughs> so very quickly, when we go into a situation like that, You're going to see how fast we go into that type of thing. And you're not going to call the man toxic masculine at that point in time. You're going to look at him like, holy shit, this is my protection. If not, me and my children, a woman coming from a woman's perspective, we could die. And literally, we need protection. And it's like, hey, I'm going to try to feed the children. I'm going to make the clothes for the man. And there's a support system and it works in unison. So it's a natural order. And they're trying to take us out of that natural order. And a lot of people that, you know, like a lot of the things are there there are some mental instabilities because of the world that we're living in today, whether it's done by design, which 100 percent could be happening right now through technology and, you know, different uh, politics that are coming into place or whether it's just done by basically us going too far in tech and, you know, scrolling, ever scrolling on our phones and stuff on social media, you know, and reading, digesting news and stuff like that. It doesn't really matter. It's just it's not the right order of what happens when the natural order takes place. And that's one of the greatest ways to see it is through that. Right. So toxic masculinity is something that they're kind of doing it. So, you know, going a little bit back to your question, um, can a man be uh, toxic? Of course they can. And and this is a great depiction where you see a man that is in those lower vibratory states. Okay. So if he's in fear and he's in pride and he's in anger and he's grief and he's in shame, um, he is not going to be the greatest person to be around. Uh, But as you go up, and I like to call it going into kingdomship and a man is assertive he's on point he's he's not going to take shit from someone you know they're trying to skew that which is a powerful state to be in okay that brings right order into a society they try to skew that with the other ones and that is where there has to be a distinguishing between those two different sides which society is trying to push as you know these guys that are being strong and doing the right things as toxic masculinity when in reality that's exactly what is probably the most flourishing, brings the greatest families, brings the greatest dynamics, brings right order into a family that that keeps a family together. And, and that's a little bit of like what society has been doing as of late.
0: I agree. Thank you. I, you know, I'm a child of the seventies, I guess. And that's when all of these women's movements, you know, came into play. And even from that moment, you know, at that early age and, you know, all this was new onto the scene and everything. I was like, this just doesn't feel right. <laughs> I My father was a great man and mm. he was a great provider, but yet he was still very compassionate. And he, mm. you know, my brothers played sports and everything. And my favorite thing to do was tag along with my dad and go to all my brother's games because I got to spend time with my dad and we got our one-on-one time. And I, you know, we'd have these meaningful conversations and probably Mm -hmm. one of the most influential people in my life was my dad. Wow. And I didn't see him as toxic masculinity. I definitely, he was our provider, Mm -hmm. you know, and he took care of us and he made sure, you know, that we were safe. Um, And, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see it that way. So I've always struggled through uh, through all the years from the seventies on to go, I'm missing something here. This, I mean, what's going
1: on here? This doesn't make sense.
0: (laughs) Well, and unfortunately, I did get into a situation when I got married, you know, and it was an abusive situation. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is what toxic masculinity is. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not what a good husband and provider and person does, you know, Mm -hmm. and thank goodness we got out of that situation. And now I'm with a man who is like my dad, you know, he's yeah,
1: yeah. I really and, appreciate that. And now there's and now there's contrast. And and let's bring up a little bit more of a controversial subject. You know, so what is as I was bringing up before that mm-hmm. there's always a trickle down effect. What is the positive that actually came out from this man being in that manner? You know, it's like is that obviously if, if this is something if you only want to even go into because I know that could be a touchy subject and such. But there has to be some type of benefit. You know, whether you do know it or you don't. There's benefit that comes from that. Just like myself, um, one of the big things that happened to me when I was younger, when I was 22 years old, I went to prison for selling marijuana. Okay. And like I could look at it and be like, holy smokes, this is the worst thing ever happened to me. I could literally had it take me down in every single way. And I use it as a positive. Now I look back and I'm freaking grateful as hell that that happened. I would never even change it. So it's like, I found, uh, I found ways to find holy smokes, the positive side out of it. And it's created just, I'm very proud of myself and where, who I am and everything that I've done and what I've been able to accomplish through the struggles. um, And there's positivity. So can you see any positive that you saw trickle down later down the road, or maybe even simultaneously that something was happening?
0: Definitely. I, you know, I always kind of joke, you know, when girls were, (laughs) when we're young, you know, you kind of. I looked to my first husband as somebody who I perceived as masculine, you know, as mm. some. but I, in my nativity is that the, can't say that word either. Um, <laughs> I was like, Oh, you know, I was starstruck. I was like, Oh, this is what love is all about. Right. Mm. And then we got married. And I was like, when I, when, you know, all hell broke loose and, and life didn't go according to plan. I was like, no, I'm going to do something different this time. I'm mm. conscious that Consciously going to make an mm. effort to look for these types of characteristics in somebody else. I wasn't jaded like I'm never getting married again. I don't want anything to do with that. I was like, no, I made a choice and it was not a good choice. And it was made out of pure innocence, for lack of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm a little more mature. Certainly I'm I wish I'm I, well, you know, I don't know and just on a
1: a side note and it's contrast contrast too right like you probably imagine that if you didn't have that type of relationship how much you could appreciate a good man right like and and see them in a whole different manner where there's a higher probably a much higher appreciation which i guarantee brings in a more loving relationship coming up that's just one of many different angles that i could possibly see it you know
0: you said it better than i can and and, you know to. And to me, one of his most endearing attributes is, I had four kids. He had when we got married, he had no kids. I, you know, for various mm-hmm. reasons, was unable to have children um, mm-hmm. getting into the relationship. But he took on four children. Wow. And he fathered them as if they were his own. Wow. And that to me, is an example of masculinity.
1: Wow. Yeah. Big time. 100%. Yeah. Quite an endeavor to take on, right?
0: Yes. And to forefoot having his own, you know, biological children. So that was a big deal. And that's what I think you're right. You know, they're out of unfortunate situations. We can always see the good. And,
1: and, and it's like, it's almost like he was a placeholder, you know what I mean? Like having a placeholder until you're able to come into something so freaking amazing. Cause if there, he wasn't the placeholder there was something else, maybe it wouldn't have been as a miraculous and amazing relationship that like you have now. And it would just been just well, another relationship.
0: And you said it exactly here. You're, you're touching on all these very interesting things because I've often said, if I would have married my second husband when I was 20. I wouldn't have appreciated him and who he was
1: right right yeah so. Imagine, yeah <laughs> contrast is like crazy contrast is so important i've been talking about a lot about contrast actually. and it's like without contrast you know like if you don't if, if you never were in the dark when you see light you wouldn't see light and appreciate it to a high degree you know if you just saw a light all your life it's like what's the big deal you yeah know, but if you're in the dark and you see light it's like oh this is beautiful, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so,
0: as we're getting kind of to a close here, I do want to talk about the Legion mastermind that you and some others have founded and exactly mm. how this conscious leadership plays into that and what Legion is doing and all the great things they're doing to promote this kind of leadership in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean the reason, you know that that Legion was forged out of, you know, something that I've just had within me for a very long time, you know, and and the funny part about it's like, I didn't really know what it was and it just came to me, you know, like over a decade ago, you know, I don't know now, maybe 13, 14 years ago, maybe even longer than that. Um, where I said that, you know, like for some reason I knew that my mission on this planet was to bridge the gap between technology and mankind's wisdom. Okay. Um, and wisdom has a lot to do with conscious leadership. So for me, it's like a lot of my companies, you know, just had that in mind. Um, And now you're seeing it come to fruition even more. So it was like, it was definitely like a message from the gods, if you want to call it. And, um, you know, when we started Legion, it was more of like, you know, we were just going to have a watch line and everything like that. And slowly but surely, you know, the vision that I was putting in this other company that was called the digital man, Um, you know, and, and the, the, the cool thing about digital man was just like, Um, It was a great business model and everything, but it was also digital man. I I tried to make it seem like mankind, um, you know, but women were like, "Eh, I don't know how I take on to that. (laughs) So like we kind of like transmuted that into like Legion where um, the big part about it and the way I like to explain what Legion is, if anyone is wondering, is like that we're gathering 333 visionaries and change makers that want to create impact on the planet through technology. Um, And big uh, values that we have is about, you know, being conscious, okay, being aware, doing something great for humanity. And one of the most important things I believe in there's conscious leadership. Um, So there's a lot of leaders in our group and everything like that. And we want to bring people that want to create a better humanity that are not here for the the pride, the anger, the desire, the fear and grief. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with that, because we're all at that level. That's what people don't understand. Like, what, and that's where you start to see compassion, like you were talking about, and you see willingness, neutrality, acceptance as you get the higher, higher echelons, you don't see those things. So like just by judging someone that is in, in fear, um, their desires and pride, that within itself is a lower vibration by itself. So it's like, you know, if you start to become more compassionate, then you you learn, wow, this person had a really rough life. You know, they weren't raised in the right situations. They were getting beat up as children. They were sexually abused. They were this, 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 this. And it's like, you know, these people, what they need is not to be, you know, smacked down upon and frowned upon and, you know, judged upon. It's more like these people need to learn that there's a better way. And if we can teach these people and show them the way of how you can become more conscious, get up to courage, get up to willingness. What if that was actually something that could happen? Holy smokes, a different world that we will live in. Imagine a lot of these people can actually learn these different modalities. And the thing is, there's so many people doing this out in the world. There's like Harry Palmer from Avatar, Dr. Demartini from um, the Demartini Institute, you know, um, landmark education, um, gratitude, you know, Tony Robbins stuff, you know, like it's it's all over the place. But to me, you know, it all comes down to one thing and it's inner evolution. And that inner evolution is the, very important pinnacle to help us get to better places. So we placed upon you know what we created there um, upon the notion that we want to do something greater for humanity in this new day and age where technology is moving far too fast, uh, especially you now with artificial intelligence. We started this before ChatGPT came out. We were already talking about the mass acceleration of technology and how things were going to move exponentially. Because I've been paying attention. I've been talking about <laughs> the revolution that for, for over a decade now, you know, like I I've, I've known at this point in time was going to come. So like you have to gather the proper leadership and the proper people, um, to do something significant for humanity. Because if we don't do it, the story of Atlantis, whether it's real or not, is a story to let us know what can happen to a society that becomes over intellectualized, over technologized, if that's even a word, um, <laughs> And simultaneously, that they are basically feeding off the ego. And what happened, Atlantis? Poof, they disappeared. Who knows? There's so many different types of stories of what happened, whether it's real or not. It's a depiction of what can happen to us. And if we do not get conscious leaders um, into power positions of society, building out these technologies in the right way, caring about humanity, we can enter into a dark state, but I believe um, that if we do this together, and we bring people together, You know, whether Legion and all the other endeavors that we do, um, we can have a better society and we can be thriving and we can be super creative and we can learn so much more and live in a world that is very beautiful. And I think that's possible.
0: I do too. And I think that's definitely what attracted me to Legion. And yes, I'm one of the 333, but I don't think we're Yeah,
1: she's one of them. Yes, indeed.
0: I'm a Legion how however you say it.
1: Legionnaires, yes, Legionnaires, yes. <laughs> the women of Legion and the Legionnaires. <laughs>
0: but I think there's something really important here because, you know, due to my past and some other circumstances, um, there's a part of me that operates in these lower echelons. Yeah, um, yep. I haven't been able to, you know, completely rise above that. But mm-hmm. there's a part of me that operates, you know, in some of these higher echelons for various mm-hmm. reasons. And mm-hmm. I think it's important that people understand that I don't think it's a one, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a three ten. Like, well, in this yeah, exactly,
1: path- exactly, you're right, you're right, hundred percent. You'll you'll tap into these different fields, you know, like like even myself, you don't think I get angry and and have desire and you know, like have some pride and stuff like that. So it's like learning about these things and and the trauma from the past and you know, these things that were taught to us in society, our parents, our friends, television, the news, um, everything that has helped shave and carve us into something specific. Um, once you start learning, you know, that everything is kind of like love and you start learning these modalities to a very high degree, whether it is through Dr. David Hawkins, you know, some of the great philosophers teachings, Dr. Martini, there's a great one also called self-discovery with Rob James. Um, he's he's a, one of the teachers right now that is teaching people how to get to um, 500 and 600. And he's He's one of the only people on the planet that is training people to get above a six hundred. And from what David Hawkins was talking about, was that if there is um, about 33 to thirty three to thirty—I don't know the exact number—but it's between thirty three and thirty six um, people on the planet that are six hundred, it shifts the world into right order. Um, and whether that's true or not, another one of those things where where if if you see the people that had high levels of consciousness were highly evolved, let's say Gandhi. They affected a lot of people. I like look at Gandhi. Gandhi definitely affected, if not a billion people, uh, hundreds of millions of people. You know what I mean? Like he literally had that effect on humanity. And some of these people that were highly evolved, okay, that lived from compassion love states they're very neutral about things go go ask the Dalai lama and stuff like that some of these questions about you know what's happening and he'll i forgot what it was like they're like oh what do you think about the tsunamis that killed all these people and he was like he's like he's like he'll talk about the benefit and he'll say karma <laughs> and you're like what the hell's wrong with this guy you know what I mean, but like the guy's a highly evolved individual and there's highly evolved people that they look at the world completely different but those people are not running our countries they're not running the world they're not running these technologies um and that's why it's quite dangerous but you know i think it's also like because a lot of these conscious individuals weren't bringing in some of that strong masculine force so you know some of the teachings that are happening now that i think are going to evolve into the future is having that strong masculine force this is women and men this is not just men i'm talking about here with the conscious you know like almost like you almost like to call it like a shaolin monk right he's a warrior but he's also present Buddhist, you know, Zen, you know, just like the the great saying that they say, it's like, you know, I would rather be a warrior in a uh, garden than be a, a gardener in a war.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> I think, and I think this is a great note to end on, and it, I'm going to, you know, plug Legion a little bit here too. I, you know, from partially from my past and, from genetics, you know, from my family, I have anxiety and I have some social anxiety. Mm-hmm. But, and I was really, I was, I was really nervous about going to Miami to our mastermind in Miami. In, mm-hmm. And I was like, I just, oh, I don't know. I can't, you know, walk into a room full of people I don't know. I'm going to feel really uncomfortable. This is going to be, I'm just, I, it's a lot of money for me to go spend to go down there. I mean, you, know, you can hear my self talk yeah. going on here, right? <laughs> <laughs> all. Yeah. All this negative stuff, and I'm not kidding you. When I walked into the room and there was all these people around, there was that energy, and it's mm. the energy of people who are operating, for the most part, you know, not always, mm. but on these higher levels of consciousness, mm. and that's contagious.
1: Mm. And you
0: know, it just made me feel like, oh wow, all my social anxiety went away. All of a sudden, I'm able to talk to people I don't even know, and. Yeah. And yeah. have meaningful conversations, not just, oh, hi, Jonathan, how are you doing today? Oh, yeah, it's hot outside, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Here's the baseball game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And so I think that, you know, by having this conscious leadership, and like you said, if we can just start perpetuating this and creating those environments, we're just naturally going to attract people, and these people are going to feel and want to be part of not, you know, of course, legion, that would be nice, but just be a part of this conscious movement for like mm. No, I
1: mean, that, that's why, that's why when you told me, um, cause I, I brought up the conscious leadership um, at a mastermind in New York, it was actually leap the one that you went to, but it was, first one um, and everyone was talking about, you know, what are the five most important things that society will be facing in the next five years? We said AI, of course, this was before ChatGPT came out, so we said AI, um, blockchain, web three type of technologies that, you know, decentralization versus like centralization, um, mental health, um, overregulation and regulation, And then we we're like, okay, what else is there? And I'm like, I stopped everyone. I'm like, guys, I was like, there's one thing. That, in my opinion, literally will help all these. And it's conscious leadership, because if you don't have conscious leaders helping out with AI and how it's going to look, Web3 and, and decentralization and, and centralization, mental health, okay, um, and uh, uh, overregulation, underregulation, what it takes, those are leaders. So if the leaders aren't conscious that are making these rules and, you know, putting um, new regulations in place, not putting regulations in place, you're in a dangerous path. So for me, you know, that's why I'm like very, very um, keen on bringing conscious leader to the planet and conscious leadership and the concept of it so that people can start to take this on and that we can start taking proper roles in society um, to bring us into the proper uh, future that we would all like to see. You know,
0: I think you said it very well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate your time today. And yeah. Um, I'm really excited to get this out there because I think, you know, just people listening to this, it's going to make a difference.
1: So for sure, for sure, hundred percent, you know, and I I appreciate you doing this because, you know, once I figured out that you love the history and everything like that, I was like, (laughs) You're going to like this stuff here. You know, we're going to just create some really amazing things in the world. And we're very happy that you're like in the Legion community because you're an amazing individual um, with, with doing amazing things and bringing this history and, you know, being able to talk openly about some of these subjects that other people would just be very polarized about, you know.
0: Yes. Thank you. So how would people reach you if, if, if you want them to reach you? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. I mean, um, Instagram, for those that are doing Instagram, it's like rain in the making with periods in between um, anyone that just wants to reach out to me directly. It could be Jonathan at digital You know, if you have any questions about whatsoever, um, obviously there's Legion. So it's, we are legion.xyz. You can reach out to us on our social medias too, which is like we are legion.xyz on Instagram and Twitter And, um, you know, and always maybe even up to Cheryl, you guys could hit up Cheryl and just ask questions uh, or see how you could reach out to us and everything like that. You know, but I'm very grateful for Cheryl to um, doing this podcast and what she's doing here, because, you know, this is a great service to humanity just by having this. Appreciate that. Well, thank you for your
0: time. And I look forward to our next mastermind in December. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think uh, (laughs) October, November. I got
0: the date wrong. Oh, well.
1: (laughs) Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there.
0: We'll see you in October.
1: (laughs) Yes. Appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of flashback to a fabulous future. We hope today has helped you understand how the past influences the future and created the present until we talk again, have a beautiful week.